When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Podcast. This edition of Even Iron Podcast is brought to you by TractorZoom, where data meets diesel, or where diesel meets data. I always forget. I always get it mixed up. Yeah, where where uh, di- diesel meets data. I'm gonna have to go grab my hat, and uh, I suppose it works both ways, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either way, it's working. It's just, it's the same both ways, no doubt about it. Well, I got Andy Campbell on here from TractorZoom, and he is uh, nice to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Andy, how you doing, man? Hey, Casey, doing well, really yeah, well. Right on. Well, a lot of interesting stuff happening right now. We're seeing some growth in uh, the overall inventory out there for sale. Um, a lot of that has to do with supply chains on the new side getting kind of picked back up, and we're seeing more things come into play. We're watching uh, more and more of these uh, used equipment come in that don't necessarily have a place to go right away, but there's still a lot of the stuff that is finally showing up that guys are buying. So, Andy, I guess as you're looking out there right now, what do you see happening? What's going on at TractorZoom right now? Yeah, so you know we're seeing the supply return in the market. We've been seeing some of that supply, especially in terms of smaller tractors, and then in combines after that, that were happening this fall. And it's something we were monitoring for a while. Again, nothing really alarming because it's a bit more of a return to normalcy. 
Um, but it also, you know, along with the supply chain woes, was happening in waves and it wasn't really a, a smooth transition. And so what that's really caused is maybe a bit of an oversupply, some in combines and your compact subcompact tractors. Uh, and that's having a bit of a ripple effect, you know, but it doesn't uh, go across all categories. So we're also monitoring planters, sprayers, and uh, row crop tractors. And those are being affected by a little bit of the uh, supply returning, but maybe more in a positive way. And uh, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, we're seeing some supply return there to dealers lots and those inventory um, carrying mounts growing. Sure. Yep. Yep. So obviously, I don't think anyone, this is any big shock to anybody out there that's paying attention to what's going on in the market. But there's there's uh, the combine inventory is kind of is returned back to, I would say, pretty close to 2020 level if you go out and take a look at overall marketplace and how many machines are out there it's pretty close to what we saw in 2020 pre-covid you know if you go back and take a look at that uh the biggest difference with all that is the price of the machines that are out there now what that average price has come down to as i go back and look at it i'm seeing um in 2020 that there was about one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars ish um average machine price across the entire spectrum from the newest of the new to the oldest of the old and then now we're seeing something in the neighborhood of about two hundred twenty-five thousand to to 230,000 on average, which also has a big, a big retrospect. Let's turn around here. Um, has a big, um, uh, a big uh, effect on what we see happen, strictly because of what was going on in the supply chain and in the, the price increases that we've seen due to COVID-based stuff. We saw, you know, everything had a huge drop across that, that two-year period. When you look at when you're looking at that, are you seeing something similar to that, Andy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the first graph that I think we pulled up, uh, we're looking at holding costs. And so you've got not only supply in there, but you've got in the supply multiplied by the price. Uh, that these, and that that was alarming, especially when you're looking at class eights, because there's you know, there's a lot of the class eights out there. Uh, you know, they're priced significantly higher than the others. And so that was probably the most alarming graph that we've seen is uh, the increase in the overall holding cost of those class eights. But you're right though, it's largely due to when you're looking at maybe a 30 to a 40% price increase from what they were two and a half years ago, um, that's gonna make anything uh, look alarming. Sure. But yeah, yeah, the the supply is returning, but it's compounded by those price increases. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the other side of that too is, you know, so I've, I've kind of, there's a couple of things I look at when you start looking at like a declining markets and those kind of things, what you're starting to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see if your data correlate because I, I, I operate off bro science quite a bit here. So, <laughs> so, you know, take, take it for what it's worth. But, you know, when you take a look at the overarching kind of how everything's are playing out, you have, you have about three phases of a market when I look at it. So you have the, the hot market where, the late model low hour stuff selling you can't get enough of people bang 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 we saw that in uh mm-hmm. you know basically 2020 through 2022 and even into 23 a little bit here but it's starting to cool off a little bit but you're starting to kind of see the stuff transition over to more of what i would call the value side of the used equipment marketplace where it's not necessarily what they want but it's what they need type of type of scenario I need a new combine and I can, I can afford this, you know, with, with the way interest rates are or whatever their spectrum is, whatever the, whatever the issue is, you start looking at that. And then you have the third phase of that where it's really kind of comes down to, I have this much capital and I have this much equity, and this is what I can afford to do after I make my trade-ins and this, my down payments come together. This is, this is what I can do. 
And a lot of that is kind of circumventing what banks will allow them to do based around, I've got 50 grand worth of cash and I got $50,000 worth of, worth of uh, uh, equity in the machine. I got, mm-hmm. I've got a hundred thousand dollars to put down on a new machine. That's the kind of thing that we're not there yet. I would say that was like an 1819 style kind of approach. Yeah. What's the business happening there? Where I think now we're in the middle where guys are looking at, at a value of, I, I want the one or two year old machine, but I, I, I need to upgrade my, six or seven or eight-year-old machine to a three to four to five-year-old machine. I think that's what we're seeing, Andy. Is your, are you seeing something similar to that in your right. Your data? Yeah, we're, we're seeing in our data, and I can kind of show you where we think that that's happening and the shift in our market trends. And then also, you know, we work with a lot of uh, ag banks, uh, ag lenders, and farm credits. And I was talking to one up in uh, northern Iowa not too long ago, and they said that they were seeing that shift, and that conversation was starting to happen a lot more often with their farmers where it wasn't time to uh, ring any alarm bells, but the conversation certainly shifted to, okay, if you're going to see a a reduced profitability this year, and then the year after that is largely uncertain because there's a ton of uncertainties right now uh, out there in the farm economy that they said, okay, what's the, um, you know, what's the prudent choice now? So you can control your payments this year, but also thinking that next year and the year beyond. Whereas the conversation from the, the two prior years was, how big can I upgrade and how can I reduce my tax, uh, you know, my tax yeah. burden. And so sure. they said, and it, you know, conversation probably should have happened for a lot of the farmers last year, but it's good that it's happening now when it's likely still going to be a profitable year form, just not nearly as profitable. Not like it's been. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's, you're starting to see that, like you talked about that conversation creep in there more. And I think you're seeing it largely on, on combines. Cause if you take a look at in your auction data, I'll probably, back this up a little bit but kind of what i've noticed is that they're not as many bites on that that one-year-old two-year-old stuff that we saw <clears throat> we looked at the number of bids during those auction prices where you saw a lot of bids on those stuff that when it would come up for auction because in a lot of cases that was the one that was available right that was right. that was that was their last couple of years now you start looking at those machines and there's not as many they're still selling for a good price um there's not as many bids as you saw previously, but if you go down, you know, kind of further on down the trough a little bit, you start hitting some of those five-year-old machines. You start seeing more bids kind of popping up on those machines than you saw previously. Mm-hmm. What's your data showing on that? Yeah, yeah, we can dive into that right now and uh, okay. do a kind of a live share here. Uh, so just pulling up, got a few different screens, but. Taking a look here, just within the market trends. So this is live, uh, so anything can happen. But let's take a look at combines overall, and there are filters here. Yeah, yeah. With overall combines, and, and one of the things that we should, uh, you know, give a quick overview on that we can look at any class here. And so if we're looking at overall popular models, you know that. S780s, 680s are sitting out there, but gets back to the point that we're talking about that there's a lot of those class eights, especially those 780s sitting around right. that are making those holding costs a little bit higher. But let's take a look down just at some of these class eights. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to give myself a little bit more of a year for year view. And year over year, we've added about 
75% more dealers. So a little bit of this growth here, and I can kind of equate that yeah. is due to just so many more dealers hopping onto our, our tractors and sure. our equipment. But yeah, so with combines, we've seen uh, the supply rise about 40% year over year. But you know, the conversation, Casey, not you and I were having this before we hopped on, it just wasn't a lot of supply last year. Right. And so, right. you know, that's not as alarming. But the sales are, you know, for that increase in supply, the sales aren't necessarily keeping up, especially on these class eights. And so yep. I'd say of any of these categories, you know, it's this one that's maybe the most alarming. You know, we look back at May and from this is a, a dealer sold, 156 of these sold to this May, 190, but we're adding on 75% more. So you're actually seeing your sales year over year drop. Um, but one of the things you can also go down here and do, and let's take a look. These uh, these are the number one numbers um, in proportion listed by our range. Last year, let's just blend this up a little. So this is how we're sitting now. Now this is what's currently on the market on uh, on dealer lots. And so you've got, you know, I don't know if these hour categories are exactly how you'd define the washout curve, but uh, Got, yeah. yeah, yeah, zero to 500. These are machine hours. Yeah. But that's how you're sitting now. This is what we were looking at last year. And just yeah. kind of a jagged and not a smooth type of process. Um, it was really kind of all over the place. It's interesting what you have there because if you see where, where your growth in machines are, so the uh, the light blue is is, uh, is that current, right? That's current. Time yep. time? Okay. All right. So the light blue, if you look where you're at, the growth in those machines, now a couple of things come into play there. One, just like you talked about, there is, there's more machines on the market now than there were this time last year. That's, that's no, no doubt about it. <clears throat> hey, regardless of manufacturer, the first quarter of 22 deliveries were abysmal. I mean, there just were not stuff getting out there. Most stuff showed up late, late summer, early fall. And it got pushed through there through the end of the year. And I think that's where you see that at. And and a lot, a lot of that too is some of that stuff, you know, where we're sitting at right now. But if you look at where you're at um, year over year in that, <clears throat> that 1,500, 2,000 hour machine and how much that's dropped off comparatively to what it was the year before. That's kind of my point I was making earlier about where we're at in that middle. That's the value machine. That's not the, hey, you right. know, I've got two nickels to rub together. I'm going to go out and put, Get, get a machine that's what they're looking at right there so some of these guys are had three thousand hour machines twenty five hundred hour machines and they're looking at that that thousand fifteen hundred hour maybe two thousand hour machine to come in and, and kind of jump back in there because it's just the dollars that are associated with that now are that's what they can afford and i think that's the kind of some of the the jagged little pill to swallow there i think on some of this stuff is that just because of where the price of these machines are at now what used to cost X at fifteen hundred hours is not what it costs today. And that's a big jump in what that what that value of that machine looks like. Right, right. You're right. The, the <clears> last <throat> couple of years, those you know thousand hour machines, the cost of those is now really what they're having to pay for yeah. that fifteen hundred to two thousand hour. Yeah. And so, you know, I anticipate this for the next year at least. Uh, we'll see what happens beyond that for these categories uh, in terms of supply of fifteen hundred to two thousand to be a hotter commodity uh, for people yeah. looking for those as long as they fit in their operation. You know, you get much above 2,500 and 
And that's a different type of farm that wants those. They can make that work for their operation. Um, but yeah, I really see this category being the hot one. And then this really the less than 500 step hours, less than, or sorry, 500 yeah. machine hours. Those are probably going to be harder to move off the deal than last, don't yeah. you think? I think so. Just because, I mean, you start looking at, you start looking at pricing, you start looking at where those things are playing in at, and then you start looking at the interest associated with those. It's going to be harder to, to move those machines. And there are, and your graph shows that just the sheer number of those machines out there that starts, you know, typical supply and demand, you know, as, as your supply goes up and your demand comes down, you know, you know, economics 101, you're, you're going to start running into more competition with those machines and the, I got to buy it today because that's the only one that's there. This, you know, this whole uh, scarcity premium thing I've been talking about, that's starting to fade. And, and we're starting to see that slowly. But the nice thing about this is that it's a slow, gradual reset and not a, you went to bed one day thinking there might be a problem and you woke up the next morning and the problem's at your doorstep. This is, this is more of a, of a gradual flow into that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good summary for the entire market because uh, of all the categories and all the classes and subclasses we're looking at, class A combines probably the most troublesome, and right. just due to you know allocations and you know, <coughs> supply chain issues, so maybe dumb luck, uh, it wasn't overproduced for the last few years, right. and so that's going to help things a little bit. And getting back to your comment on the, the econ 101, you know when you've gotten oversupply like that, you know this graph down here just shows the year-over-year average price in those hour categories. And again, light blue is current. So you can see how, you know, we've dropped year over year uh, for those lower yep. hour categories. And yeah. You're starting to see some of that come into play too. Like you talked about before we got on here is, is the, the price adjustments that we're starting to see on machines sure. that have been on the market for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's not, you know, once you get into, you know, the data in this current age and the tools that people have, it's it's good because you don't have to make a broad brush decision saying, hey, all combines are are in trouble. And so you're not cutting the cost of all combines. And then even within class eights, um, you know, you can identify and we can see it right here that those S780s are a challenge. Uh, 680s, not far behind it. And you can kind of see over the past year, the price changes and the, the drastic decrease uh, the dealers that's, have made on the a, price changes. But it, it's kind of isolated. Yeah, that's year over year change. Okay. And so um again that's significant. That's a it significant is change. On, yeah. on those two. Yeah. And granted, yeah. the year in the, the two years before, they saw massive price increases. Yeah. But you're not necessarily seeing that price uh decrease as much on right. on the rest of these. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think that's uh especially on the class seven combine, just because the number of stuff that's there, but the market's given back the, the that price increase that we saw and mm -hmm. that that propped up the used equipment marketplace. So long that you know that's, this is a good example of, of that, that quote unquote scarcity premium being being eroded away. I mean, you start you start seeing some of these things as yep. they as for what they are, and you know, again, economics one hundred and one uh, supply increases. You know, you have more competition out there now, and you're going to have to start really paying attention to your pricing structure. Mm -hmm. You're right, right, and especially on these, you know, these carry the largest holding costs, sure. so there's a pretty good incentive to get them off the lots, and, and there's incentive yeah. right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I, I mean, I should say that you know we won't go into depth on all the other ones, but you know, your class sixes, uh, you know, not a lot of them are being produced anymore, but they're you can just see them right here. 
year over year, yeah. slow and steady on those price increases. Uh, that's you know just kind of as a point to put out there. Mm-hmm. Those class sixes when you had the the S, uh, what was it? You had the uh, the six sixties. Yeah, at the top three, there's only you had seventy five listings changed. Where on the the seven eighties, you had thirteen fifty five or whatever it was. You know, what I mean, right? You had a you had a fair amount of a change there in in what how big that pool is that's making that difference. So yeah, absolutely. And that shows you that on on the on the class eight side of it that it's it's a wholesale change across the board, mm-hmm. right? It's not just a few pieces here and there that are making difference up here on your on your six sixty side of it. It's seventy five changes, then it changed one point two six percent. I mean, that's hard. That's that's nothing. You know, when you start looking right. at twenty six percent across thirteen hundred machines, that means there's a wholesale change coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all related. I was talking to a, a deer dealer out East and he was just saying, you know, their market is certainly different, uh, especially in the class eights and, class, and larger that he buys. He's got particular farmers that are doing well, they'll pay for what they need. But uh, then he said they do get a little bit of a spillover effect, especially for what happens in Indiana and Ohio, you know, it starts right. to affect uh, the local market, but sure. you know, he was saying that they're somewhat isolated. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny how that's, I mean, everybody's a little bit different, but everybody's the same. And mm-hmm. in the, uh, it's the, uh, what, 85 or 90% of the time, everyone's doing about the same thing. It's just that, that 10 or 15% that makes a dramatic change and or dramatic difference in your area. And that's, that's a big misconception, I think, in some, in some marketplaces. Right, right. And again, we're talking combines here. And, uh, and again, they're in a, a challenging spot right now. But like we mentioned earlier, it's no sign that this is happening across all the equipment categories. You know, there, there's a higher supply oh. in the combines. There's certainly a higher supply in the compacts and subcompacts, especially if you've got some yeah. more of an acreage type of dealership. But that doesn't translate into necessarily the row crop tractors. We're seeing a return right. of supply, but not right. uh, the sky's not falling. Right. Yep. All right. So let's, let's jump over there and talk a little bit about what you see happening on the tractor side of the business. So again, supply. I'm, Again, my bro science is kicking in here, but I mean, supply is, seems to me like you're seeing more machines sitting on lots on the front row, ready for sale that you're not seeing, um, that you've seen anywhere else. Right. So I guess Andy, taking a look at the tractor marketplace, what are you seeing there? And are you seeing, um, a pattern of growth there as well? Right. Yeah. So if, if we're taking a look at the tractor market and let's just make one broad, um, uh, swipe above with all tractors right now. Smaller tractors were easier to produce in the last couple of years, so way more supply in those compacts and subcompacts. Once we start to move up into the row crop side, then obviously that production was a little bit harder to ramp up. We're still seeing more, uh, especially on the smaller row crop tractor. I'm going to make sure here I get, uh, get some drive type there. That we're seeing supply return to these. Uh, fairly significantly in the smaller row crops. So 175 to 300 horsepower. Uh, that's up about, you know, 30 to 40%. If we're looking just year over year, and again, this is taken into consideration. We've added about 75% more uh, dealerships that are listed with us. But even with that increase in supply, you know, that some of the sales were met right away. And you can really see this, that you start to get into your sales season. Sales picked up all the way through December and they were strong in this spring and, but they have started to tail off a little bit 
And when you look last May to this May, taking those you know, 75% more dealers in there, you're, you're pretty much flat, maybe down even a little bit year over year with small row crop tractor sales, less than 300 horse. So, you know, I, I think part of that story right now is due to that the market's a little slower. But I, I think part of it too is maybe a shift in farmer preference. And I, I don't know if this goes everywhere, but I know here in the, the Midwest that if you've got less than a 300 horsepower tractor, it's going to be challenging to pull everything that you need to pull with it. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think you're seeing, again, I think there's, there's, there's always seems to be um, things that are going good. Tractors are, are updated pretty early um, when you look at that. And I think the turn on on used tractors is still it's still high, but it's not like it was. But I also think some of the things that we're seeing on the tractor marketplace as far as sales being driven has a lot to do with um, there's just finally this, what they've been waiting for is finally here. Hmm. And I think some of that is is what we're seeing in, in the tractor marketplace. And and as as this backlog of tractors um, kind of makes its way through, which I think we're about through that, um, the second half of 23 will be interesting to see what what that, you know, especially when you start looking at 300 plus horsepower tractors at 300 to 400 hour or 300 to 400 horsepower uh, row crop tractor. What's that look like uh, the second half of the year? Are we going to see some buildup? Of, of inventory going through the end of the year and uh, especially that late model stuff it'll be interesting to watch see if that happens because i think again tractors are starting to see that um that middle um segment kind of start to pop in there where this is this is what i need not what i want and right you're starting to see some of that again like uh you go back to 18 19 where that 1500 hour tractor that 3000 hour tractor was a really hot machine um you're starting to see that again and it's starting to creep back into, we have more people asking for stuff like that. Um, from the guys I've been talking with, they, they're asked, they have people that have been asking for not the five. I mean, it's still got eyes asking for the 500 hour tractor, but they're still looking at, you know, Hey, what do you got? That's a thousand hours. What do you got? It's 1500 hours. What do you got? That's 2000 hours, that kind of stuff. We start right. having more of those conversations pop into, into a lot of people I've been talking to anyway, um, into that conversation. Right. And, and us and our farm, we're the exact same way. We're looking to upgrade tractors. We're particular and we don't need to necessarily do it now and looking for that right. exact type. But it is with in the back of our mind, okay, what's a, a manageable um, payment that we can make right. on that? Knowing the profitability is a question in the next couple of years. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, it's exactly what we're going through. And, you know, speaking of those higher horsepower, so we're looking here and, you know, your annual price increases are, are modest at best. Probably the biggest note there is, you know, we're not talking double-digit price increases year over year. So we're we're back to maybe a time of normalcy. But looking at those larger row crop tractors here, and now and we're starting to see a lot more of that supply, just yep. a steady increase in that supply return a lot. So this is really what you're seeing out there, where you start to see more and more tractors parked up on those lots. Yep. You know, looking at this overall. You know, number one, number of them sold 150 to 206 math is, yeah, that's about a, what, 30% increase, 30, 40% increase. Yeah. Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. And let's take a look. You know, sometimes this is a little telling if we're looking now, and this is different than what we've seen 
uh, in the, you know, in the combine where we're seeing kind of price decreases and, you know, drawing back into uh, the, those prices a little bit. Light blue is current. We're still seeing a, an annual year over year price increase for those less than 500 hours on these larger row crop tractors. And we didn't see this on combines, didn't see this on small row crop tractors. Now, once you get a bit bigger though, those prices are coming back into to reality. Or sorry, this isn't price, this is the, the quantity. Sorry about that. But yeah, seeing the, the quantity increase on those. And there's, I guess, there's the price. So yeah, this really goes to support what you're just saying that might have a bit more of a buildup in those uh, 500 hour and less, those late model tractors. Yeah, for sure. Yep, and that's that's I think too. Just kind of looking at that average price down there that you've got, and you start looking at the the two thousand to three thousand hour machine um, where they were priced at um, currently compared to where they were um, in twenty four. It's amazing how much that has jumped up, or twenty two. Sorry, twenty three mm -hmm. to twenty four. I mean, what that looks like. So it's it's pretty how. How the price has gone up on the use, even though we're starting to see it's been a steady increase every year. That's that is, yeah. And and when I look at this graph, you know, I haven't done it for this particular view, so we'll see how uh, this shakes out. But you know, if we're looking at this for an annual standpoint, and then this is just the last six months, which really looks fairly similar down here to the annual and the price dec decrease. But I think this low hour type stuff that price decrease happened about six months ago and it's been yeah. steady since <laughs> moving to the yeah. last three months so yeah, parity right so if you're trying to figure out kind of when that price decrease happened it really looks like it was happening you know anywhere between six and three months ago so roughly yeah. the first quarter of this year they made some uh, adjustments and then from then you know it's been relatively steady and so getting back into realizing that the market's different, but now being rational and kind of holding some prices, I think is what we're yeah. probably seeing on the dealer market. Yep. Okay. Well, one more thing, Andy, and we'll, we'll kind of let us go. So I have this, uh, again, I function off of bro science a lot, so take it with a grain of salt, but um, I have this theory that, Every three to five years, you know, you see a, a big shift between four-wheel drive tractors and sprayers. Right? Mm -hmm. So you see the uh, the sprayer market uh, will be good for a long time, and then it'll fall off, and then the four-wheel drive marketplace will pick back up, and then when it falls off, the sprayer market picks back up. My theory is it has a lot to do with with no-till farming practices and those kind of things where the weeds have kind of gotten out of control, and we need to go back in and till and mm -hmm. and kind of work the ground up a little bit more, and then go back to our our no-till situation that we're doing. Um, what are you seeing right now? I mean, because you look at the sprayer market, there's hardly any sprayers out there, figuratively right. speaking. I mean, it's, just, it's a very slim marketplace. As you look at the at the four-wheel drive marketplace and, and at the sprayer marketplace, what are you seeing out there right now as far as volume goes? Okay. Yeah. Let, so let's take a look at the sprayer market first. And and while I pull up the uh, the spurs, I do have to ask you because I just saw this uh, come across some social feed the other day that the John Deere is now offering kits, upgrade kits to see and spray. Uh, 
So is that a, a new thing? And how do you think that might affect? Uh, um, yeah, so I've, I've seen it. I think, I think every manufacturer is going to start going down that path where they're going to, there's only so many, you know, half a million dollar machines that they can sell to people. And you start looking at what that, how that incorporates and function into that's going to be a big part of machinery moving forward is the value of the machine is going to be um, based around what it's upgradable to and not necessarily what the hours are. Right. I mean, that's going to play a factor into it, but it's, you know, if there's going to be some, some hard stop somewhere on a piece of equipment where you can, you can, and whatever, you can autonomously take a tractor back to 2018 or whatever. And, and, put this kid on there from brand new to 2018. Well, what's that do to 2017 in your model, right? I mean, there's going to be some, some hard stop in there somewhere where you can't upgrade it past a certain point. And that's going to have a, a pretty dramatic effect, in my opinion, a pretty dramatic effect on what the, the used value looks like. And right. I think that that's going to have, it's going to change the way, plus all these upgrade kits too, are going to change the way people <clears throat> look at their equipment, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to now to upgrade. I don't have to lock stock and barrel trade everything in. I just have to sell off this wet system and put on this wet system and I'm good to go. Right. Right. And I think that's going to change the way people view and look at how, how they, how they functionally look at used equipment. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. a chassis, this chassis is upgradable to X and this spray system is upgradable to Y, you know, a guy in Texas buys the the chassis and a guy in Minnesota buys the wet kit and, you know, and you kind of piecemeal things together the best way you can. So to answer your question, I, I think what ultimately happens here at the end of the day is that um, how you on your farm look at your equipment now isn't going to be so much based around how many hours are on it, those kind of things. But what can I do with the machine that I have? And is that is it worth buying this, this newer system? Because now I have a 10-year a life cycle of upgradability on this machine that I don't have on this machine. I think that starts playing effect into that. Yeah. It starts to mirror a little bit more of technology than it is. Yeah. It's a a computer, right? It's a, it's a, you start looking at your computer. How long, how do I spend the the $5,000 today to get the best latest and greatest that way I can use it for five years? Or do I just buy the the bare bones and every two years I get a new computer? Mm -hmm. I think that's what you're looking at there. Yeah. 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 Well, getting to your, uh, your question on the sprayers uh, versus the four-wheel drives, you know, one of the things, because uh, I've looked into sprayers a lot, you know, there's a lot of nuances within the self-propelled sprayer market. And year over year, we've seen some pretty good increase on supply. And But then I was questioning, because I don't see a lot out on the, uh, the used lots uh, when I'm driving around, at least in the Midwest. But that's also because, you know, June, we've got that done here because we're just a partial month right now. We've also seen sales pick up a lot of that new supply that's coming to the market. Uh, so yep. pent up demand and ability to buy. And so when we you know account for the growth in dealership, we've got probably a about an 80% increase in supply that we've seen on the lots, but we've also had sales that have increased about 50%. And so they haven't soaked up everything that's returned to the market. But you know, when I look at all my categories, sprayers have probably soaked up the most of this return of supply. Uh, and so, you know, maybe a, a 20% increase on a month's of supply that's sitting and fluctuating on dealers' lots when it's all said and done. But in terms of, you know, price consistency, just 
general seasonal price decreases. Uh, sure. and, and it looks good. So if you want to compare that though, uh, let's go back to tractors and let's look at let's look at some large just four-wheel drive tractors. So you know, if, if I'm summarizing sprayers, I'm saying that they look consistent and maybe one of the stronger categories out there, you know, with larger row crop tractors. I'd say those two uh looking pretty good. And uh you know, we just started to split out our categories here. So we're looking at, you know, not just 300 plus now, but 425 plus and the ability here to dice into four wheel drive. So looking, you know, just at these, the supply, and I'm going I'm to tweak my months here just a little bit so I can get a full month of last year, May in there. That's, you know, if we're looking 355 last year to just shy of 600 this year. You know, if I take that 75% dealer growth into consideration, and I can't do that math in my head, but I did it beforehand, uh, you're actually dropping supply about 4%. So pretty much supply on these things is, is flat. Right. Sales, though, when you do the, the same rough math, you know, last year, 78, we have sold 78 this year. And that's with the growth in dealership. So that's a 75% drop in sales in these things. And that's... You know, I haven't looked through every single subcategory in the way you can dice this up, but of all the ones that I've looked at, that's probably one of the bigger uh, sales decreases I've seen year over year out of any category we're looking at. And so uh, that holds some weight and kind of reinforces what you're saying is, you know, if you've got sprayers and these large four-wheel drives on a teeter-totter, sprayers are up and, and four-wheel drives looking down. Yeah. Uh, it's always been something I've, paid attention to because that the correlation seems to be seems to be there and i again i'm by no means i have any data to back that up and just feels like every three to five years you see this big influx and in, and in the shift in sales of four-wheel drives and sprayers and those kind of things and, you know you see the same thing with tillage as well i mean you'll see these spurts in tillage growth um where you see and typically that's because every five years it feels like there's some new you know, uh, tillage technology that comes out and it's better than, than what was before, you know, it's uh, all these different things that come into play. So uh, that might have something to do with it too, but it seems like four wheel drives when it comes down to it at the end of the day, it's just, there's a core, I see a correlation between four wheel drives and sprayers. Right. Yeah. And, and in four wheel drives in particular, I'd be interested in following this one. You know, we're talking maybe a few years into the future beyond that too, that's, I've seen other equipment categories tend towards smaller now, especially once people talk about real futuristic and get into the automation piece. And so over the past year and a half, different presentation, I did an analysis on row crops compared to four-wheel drives. And about a year and a half ago, two years ago, you start to see a separation in when you're looking at equal horsepower on row crop tractors versus like articulating four-wheel drives. And the row crop tractors continue to grow in price and value. Uh, the four-wheel drives don't keep up in terms of their price per horsepower hour. Um, right. And so I don't know if that will continue to go, but uh, if you can handle, you know, if you can pull an equipment with a strong row crop tractor, how many people are going to then also want to buy, uh, you know, an articulating one that can't necessarily yeah. run down rows? Right. I think that's a, that's a good point you bring up there and you start looking at those things. 
those the higher horsepower four wheel drive. I'm talking like the five six hundred hour machines. If you start looking at where the the quad track, the RX, the you know the what's uh, what's versatile is called. I always forget what it's called. Uh-huh. Um, Versatrack or whatever it's called. I mean, the, I think that's what it's called. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> you start looking at those higher horsepower machines. And you start to see more track machines creep into that. And I think two reasons for that. One is you put a set of 800s all the way around a four-wheel drive and you go down a highway with those things, it's, it's you know, it's it's almost 15 yards wide. I mean, it's just right. it's crazy how, how how wide that thing is. You know, as you're going down the road, 15 yards might be a little bit of an exaggeration there, but it's <clears throat> it just takes up so much space and you're half in the ditch and you're still taking up a whole lane of the, of the highway, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So going down the road. So that's starting to play a factor in that the the track systems are you know they're all within the width of the machine and you go down there the issue that you run into some of that stuff is that um going down the road so you're starting to see more of these machines those rx style machines those quad track style machines um where you're starting to see more of those being introduced into a true planting scenario where going down the road initially doesn't matter it's what it's the it's the crop care work that you do after the fact you start looking at down the road uh, scenarios and you're starting to see more of that kind of creep into into the situation now as it says today kind of back to your point i think have a little bit to do with that is that you can still do a lot of stuff with a, a 350 to 400 horsepower row crop tractor and still pull a 24 row planter at speed and do everything that you need to do there um 16 to 24 row planters are the most dominant size planners out in the marketplace right now and you can still functionally do that with a 350 to 400 horsepower machine right and i think you're seeing that that growth so this i'd love to get your your opinion on this and i know it's kind of putting you on the spot here but when i'm aaron and i aaron Fennel and i've had this discussion a lot where where does the, the the 400 horsepower row crop tractor fit into the 400 horsepower articulated four-wheel drive and that 425 horsepower tractor. So you start looking at, you know, parasitic loss and all those things that come into play on a four-wheel drive, running through two different differentials and those kind of things that you're looking at. If you have a 425 horsepower tractor and you have a 400 horsepower, um, a 410 horsepower or 415 horsepower um, row crop tractor, the really the really only advantage on the four-wheel drive side of it is is the, the sheer weight of the machine and what you can, how much weight you can put on there and what you can pull with it right? based around that thing. You can't, you have your limitations on, on the row crop side of it, right? You right. can weight it down pretty good, but you can't weight it down like you do a full drive, right? Right. So where does that, where does that conversation take place? And then where, where does that creeping in to, are you losing some very low end, high horsepower four wheel drive? I'm sorry, that low end four wheel drive marketplace mm-hmm. to these higher horsepower row crops? And then that's where you're seeing the explosion of the the 500 plus horsepower um, four wheel drives because that's where you're starting to see that growth at is yes. on that 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 high five even 550 plus probably is a better place to to have that delineation line out. But you know, looking at that, what's your data saying about that? Are you seeing a big growth in that 350 to 425 horsepower row crop tractor comparatively to the four wheel drive side of it? Yeah, so good question. And that's one of the reasons why we decided to split this up too, just because 
we had so many dealers talking to us about that delineation of, okay, this is really starting to be two different categories, two different types of a market here. And yeah, getting back to kind of the earlier point on, you know, how do the two stack up? If you're talking similar horsepower on, you know, call it near a 400 horsepower articulating versus a row crop. I don't see the articulating, you know, being able to hold a candle too much longer uh, to those row crop tractors. It's just, you know, I don't see planter sizes getting much larger. And I actually see them in our data uh, tending towards a little bit more manageable yeah. and smaller. Still 24, but if you can pull it with this, you're not going to need a lot, large one. And then yeah. getting back to the tillage question we talked about earlier, that if we are now, you know, at least currently um, lending towards more spray, less till, then you're also not going to need to pull uh, something larger there with it either. So from a data standpoint, on our 300 horse here, uh, let me make sure I can get, let's take a look at this row crop. So strong supply increasing. And one of the, you know, the first telltale signs is what's actually happening out in the market. And we're looking at a little over a, a year here, but pretty much flat uh, on those price increases, showing that the demand is just as strong, you know, that compare this with what we just saw when we were looking at those four-wheel drives, you know, a 150 to a little over a 200 uh, in terms of them sold. And so that's keeping up with our dealer growth. Um, so we're, you know, we're not seeing that decrease in sales like we were on the four-wheel drive. And here, let's just look at the past six months. You know, maybe some of that decrease in, or the, the sales is happening a little bit in those higher hours, 1,500 and, and larger, as we see those. So, you know, supply in those categories drop a little bit and a little bit more in that supply in that low hour, probably getting to the farm profitability issue that we talked about uh, and farmers making a more you know judicious choice with their money here. And then yeah, in the, the list price, it is coming down year over year, but let's, if that's year over year, let's look at what's just happened in the past six months. So really since January, with these larger row crop tractors, seeing them hold their value for the most part, if there's any kind of price decrease came in a little bit late in 22. Uh, at least that's what the, we're seeing with our data. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. I had, that's obviously data doesn't lie, but I mean, you're, that's where that fluctuation that I was talking about coming into play right here is just that, that change in that, that lower side of that spectrum comparatively to what you see on the higher side of it, where it's a more sought after machine because you're, I mean, you can do a lot of stuff with them. So yeah, it's crazy times we're living in, man. I'll tell you what, there's a, it's a shift in the way people are looking at equipment. I think that's, that's coming, getting to be more and more evident as we, as we continue down this path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's just, it's a study in buyer behavior for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Wayne, that's probably a good place to stop. If folks want to reach yeah. out to you over at Tractors Room, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so they can go, you know, if they're looking to increase their uh, their market reach, go into tractorzoom.com and then they can sign up for free dealer listings. Like I said, we've had about 75% growth just this past year of dealers listing their equipment for free uh, to our audience. And 
Right now, we're about 400,000 monthly active users that are hopping on our, our site every month looking for that equipment. Um, but then a lot of other dealers were partnering with them to do valuations, but also help manage inventory and really leveraging our data and then our data science to help dealers be proactive on you know, controlling those, those inventory levels, carrying costs, and uh, trying to predict when things will sell. So uh, we're working with our data and dealers in a lot of different ways. And then go to ironcomps.com for that one and check out a demo, but there's also a contact us button. Uh, but they always, they can just email me at acampbell at trackerzoom.com, whether it's just to talk shop or answer any questions. Happy to talk with them. Right on. Well, Andy, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast, man. Yeah, Casey, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, I really love you guys on here. So I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the video version of this over on the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. I mean, I have thought about that title for a long time when I came up with it. So, you know, that's uh, my, my cleverness coming out of me right there. So check that out. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and uh, get all the information with the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. And in his gang will be down there at the, uh, at the Moving Iron Summit, <clears throat> and they will uh, have all the great information in there. And you can stop by the booth and check out what they got going on. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Andy Campbell. It's going to be smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's IronComps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hard work.